0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. and of course, plenty of rum. Head to visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the Following On podcast, I'm John Norman, and for the next hour, we'll be bringing you an exclusive interview with an Essex great. Ryan Tenderscarter speaks with our very own Neil Manthorpe to look back at a career in the game, his astonishing numbers associated with it, and playing into his 40s. So much to come over the next hour, you're listening to Following On.
0: There was a time, quite a long time actually, when Ryan Tenderscarter was routinely described as underrated or even underappreciated but those days are long gone especially in Chelmsford and amongst Essex people to whom the man is now a legend. County Championship winners and now Bob Willis Trophy winners with Tendo as always in the thick of the action in the final against uh, Somerset at Lords. We'll talk about that, his international career, his aspirations for the future and a lot more besides in the next hour
2: so welcome Tendo and thanks for your time. Cheers, man. It's always nice to talk to you, and uh, nice to be chatting a bit of cricket at the end of the summer.
0: And what a summer it's been! Essex
2: once again have done it; they've won the Bob Willis Trophy. The Bob Willis
0: Trophy produced some intense cricket. Um, I mean, it was—I mean—at one stage, you must have wondered whether you'd actually play any. What are your reflections on the summer now?
2: Uh, That's a good point to start with. I think uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a throwaway line to say how brilliant everyone was for putting the cricket on. But hand on heart, uh, you know, standing at the at the prize game there at Lords. Uh, the, the first or the most overwhelming f- feeling was, you know, well done, everyone. Well done, the ECB. Well done, the individual counties for for getting through that group stage and, and putting the final on in what's been a, a very tough year um, for cricket. So, you know, it's not just a throwaway line. I, I did think it was a great effort to, to have the whole tournament. And, and the way it was played and, and the way it played out was very good as well. Uh, obviously, winning it fantastic. Um, you know, defending champions from last year. Uh, there wasn't much to play for this year. There were the ten T20 games and and the five rounds of, of the Bob Willis Trophy. So we set our stall out uh, at, at the start when when we knew what the format was going to be. To win it, we knew we had to be clinical. And again, that reward of of going through a, a sustained period of time with virtually no slip ups um, is a nice feeling to to get the job done again.
0: I think over a million people watched the final. It was an intense game, really terrific uh, atmosphere. And obviously the county championship doesn't have a final. Everything seems to go according to plan, except perhaps for the celebrations
2: afterwards. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, th- those things are actually linked because when you in the change room afterwards celebrating, there's not even, you know, your own media, the, your... your uh, social media guys aren't there it's, it's literally the 15 of you that played plus the coaches and, and maybe we just got sidetracked a little bit by being a bit careless by not being aware of the situation we, we got called onto the balcony and there were a handful of photographers there you know it's, it's something we regret but at the same time I know um, I know how the team's feeling is A towards Feroz himself he's, he's a valued member of the team is a, is a much loved member of the team a young guy and be to the, the general sensitivity and awareness of guys, you know, to our cultural responsibilities and, you know, religious responsibilities in a sense. So, unfortunately, uh, that got shown up and, and maybe blown out of proportion. But I always like to use an accounting term, substance over form. Um, you know, if, if you're maliciously throwing beer over, over someone or you're trying to be disruptive, uh, I think that's a very different matter to maybe just forgetting your surroundings and, and momentarily for a young guy to... To make a mistake like that is, is um, a small oversight and, and I would hate it to you know to to mar what what was a great season of cricket for everyone. They've won the Bob Willis trophy here at Lords, the five-day final they come out on top drawing the fixture champions in 2017 champions in 2019 and they win the Bob Willis trophy in 2020.
0: What did the Bob Willis trophy make you think about the championship and I've mentioned intensity of cricket a couple of times now as you said you, you, you pretty much had to win every game. I mean, you, you had to throw everything at every game for a victory. There was also the enforced declaration at 120 overs. That was interesting. But do you think it has a future? Because there is a movement now towards perhaps turning the county championship into more of a conference-type format.
2: Yeah, those are certainly the murmurings, rings, yeah, and, and the most likely option for next year. Um, I don't know how much you saw, how much you followed of, of the whole competition. And the, the final was very intense. And... You know, us in Somerset have sort of been the, the form teams for the last two or three years. And, and if you look at their lineup, there's quality all the way through. Um, but to be honest, the, a lot of the group games uh, lack that intensity. I think that's a feather in the cap for the overseas system. Yeah, you know, it's, it's only one or two positions, but, but taking the overseas play out of each team leaves a massive hole. And probably more topical and, and more controversial is the the guys who are about to lose their status. So you, you take a team like Hampshire, they don't have Fidel Edwards and Carl Abbott all of a sudden and no an overseas player. Uh, they're a very different team. So I'd be careful to draw comparisons between the, the format and the intensity without forgetting that we, we've taken, you know, a bulk of the, of the better players out of most teams. Um, so I think you need to judge those two things separately. The intensity was down from previous seasons, but that was only because of the, those players missing. But certainly a conference style can work, and, and it certainly allows for even less slip-ups than a, than a county championship season, which is played over 14 games.
0: Traditionalists are horrified about the idea of, of, of less first-class cricket. But then again, they were horrified at the idea of promotion and relegation in two divisions, weren't they?
2: Yeah, everything takes a bit of time to settle in. Um, but also my understanding is the conference style wouldn't necessarily mean less cricket. So you'd have your five group games uh, in a seeded conference, and then you'd almost go into a second pool. You know, whether whether it's the top two teams from the three conferences then going to a new semi league. So there's six games there again, or sorry, six teams, five games. So you take like five plus five, maybe plus a, a final. You end up being, my understanding is, will be around under 14 mark game again if you if you went all the way.
0: So so you you're adopting a wait and see approach, or or are you?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we can only we can only deal with what's in front of us. Um, my preference would be the the championship style, the old style, uh, two divisions of of, or uh, is it uh, nine teams? So you play your fourteen games home and away. That's also a big thing for me. Um, you know, if you go into conference style, and you're only playing everyone once. It, it makes a big difference if you play Warwickshire at home or you or you play Warwickshire away. You know, uh, traditionally a very good wicket, one of the few very good wickets left in in county cricket. It's hard to get a result there. And, and that's the nice thing about the home and away format. You, you, you have to perform at every venue and against every team, home and away. So out of the two options, I'm certainly in favour of, of the traditional county format. But in these times, we, we have to roll with the punches and whatever's thrown at us, um, we'll have to adopt in the short term.
0: Oh, shot. What a shot that is. Full length and flicked away beautifully on the leg side for four. I remember more clearly than than I probably should, um, n- not the actual day, but I remember the, the the moment of the week when I heard that, that uh, you were going to England for a trial, that you'd been offered a trial. Um, and, and fair to say, and I'm talking myself down here, but I was probably amongst uh, a number of people who thought that you might be jumping the queue there, that there might, <laughs> there might be a, a few other m- better cricketers than, than you at that stage. Um, but tell us, tell us how that trial came about, um, and, and I mean, did you foresee that anything like the career that, that you've had?
2: Um, yeah, look, I, I take no offence to the point you, you make, um, you know, I was delighted to be given this opportunity. I always knew I had something different about me, I, I knew I was never technically the best player, um, you know, I always knew I was a good fielder, uh, I, I knew I could do small jobs, you know, bits of jobs in each department. And I was also very naive about county cricket. I, I didn't know much about county cricket. So I think it came more out of the blue to me than anyone else. But having said that, it, it did come on the back of uh, two very good performances against Essex. So I played in a Select eleven, um, a Western Province invitation team, if you want to call it, a very strong team. If I remember, guys like Alan Dawson played, Graham Smith played. I mean, those are two standout names. But, but it was a, a composite side of... of half the professional guys and half the guys had done well in, in club cricket. Um, and in the three-day game, I, I took wickets against them. I bowled nicely at Newlands. And then in the one-day game, I banged it. I came in down the order and, and I don't remember exactly, but hit in the region of, of 50 or maybe 20 balls. I also knew that when I arrived at Essex that I was miles off the mark. I, I did know that. And bizarrely, I bowled very well in my first day of the trial in the second 11 and they put a contract in front of me straight away. Um, and then I also knew I had this runway of, of two, two and a half years to, to make something out of myself. And I was very lucky in Graham Gooch taking me under his wing, you know, more from a, a mentorship role than, than an actual hands-on cricket role, but he used to take me to the airport uh, early on a Sunday morning so I could f- fulfill my Dutch commitments and he'd pick me up then on a, on a Monday again and I'd stay at his house in between and I'd play my second team cricket and then in the following year I moved in with Grand Flower and that transformed my career we would spend on average I'd say two and a half hours on the bowling machine just two of us he he would feed me and he literally turned me into a batter you know remembering that when I got here I was I was a bowler I batted 10 11 in in my first couple of games and I kind of saw that there was a chance that that I could make it at least a county level as a batter. Um, But to answer your original question, no, absolutely. I would never in my wildest dreams have have thought that I'd have a a 19-year career playing county cricket and, and all the side hits that I've gone with.
1: Oh, will he get an overthrow? He does. He might get five. What a way to bring up your first World Cup 100. It's the third in World Cups for a Netherlands batsman, the first for Ryan Tender-Skater, his first fourth in one day Internationals. I, d- I
0: don't mean to embarrass you, but um, you, you said you, you regarded yourself as a cricketer who could do a job, and you, you said bits, and I, I thought you were gonna say bits and pieces, um, but your numbers, your record is the polar opposite of a, of a bits and pieces cricketer. It is astonishing, and for those who don't realize, you average over 45 in both first-class cricket and ODI cricket, 11,000 first-class runs, 2,900s. The list goes Your international numbers we'll come to in a moment because they're even more eye-watering. But but you started off as a number 10 batsman. I mean, it's just, it's just bizarre. The, the, so it was sheer hard work with Grant Flower, who I know is a workaholic.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... You know, if I was starting my career now and you asked me what I'd be happy averaging, I'd, I'd probably say 30. And, and I, can't, I can't describe, uh, I can't explain how I've got those numbers. You know, I've, I've tended to get scores at the right time. I've tended to be, um, you know, I've never been a 1,200 runs a year, man, but I, I'm, I'm always in the 800 mark. And, and I think over time and also in the position we're at with getting a few not outs, um, those numbers look pretty good uh, but but i 've always and I mean this quite genuinely've i 've always seen my role as how can you influence a game and I, and I think at batting at six or seven you know i 've batted at six most of my career five at times, but I think uh, the way you can can sway a game and, and change a game is more important in that position than you know what your actual numbers suggest and, and I think to be quite honest, that's it, quite lucky the numbers have, have worked out like that. I think if you, if you really scrape the numbers and, and you've seen how many not outs there are or, um, you know, how many of those runs have, have come in or the first class runs. I know it's not a bulk of them, but say a thousand of them have come for the Dutch at a hundred. Um, you know, that has slightly skewed the numbers. And yeah, I mean, I don't really know how to answer those questions, but I feel like those numbers are, are very flattering for the cricketer that I am, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I know a lot of statisticians who would say that the numbers don't lie. Um, okay, they might, be, they might be, have been given a shine, but here's the thing. When I was doing my, my research, I spoke to several of your colleagues, um, and I mentioned those numbers, and a good friend of yours said, he said, runs that matter.
1: In again, and that's a lovely drive
0: this time. That is what Tendo does, runs that matter, never mind the average. He said, if you count just runs that mattered, He'd be averaging 60. Is that? Do you, do you, yeah. Did you find yourself rising to the occasion? I mean, were you, did you enjoy pressure situations?
2: Um, you're going to laugh, but I, I've never felt pressure.
1: We can't call the winner yet as Ryan Tender joins Paul Walter in the middle. Could be set up for a, a very tense finish here as we head into the final first class session. Of the season,
2: so in the sense that, like, if I'm going out to bat, whether it's you know Lords last week where, where I know we have to save the game, or if I'm playing a club game down the road at Clacton, um, it, it all feels the same to me. And Hashim Amla told me when he, when he played at Essex, he spoke about blue skies, and he, you know he spoke about if you if you're wasting energy on worrying, that's sort of shortening the distance between the ball and the bat, and if you're worried about you know, how you're picking the bat up, but it shortens everything. If does that make sense? So I've always, and, and luckily, before I even spoke to Hash, I, I kind of had this, this sense that that worrying was was just useless, and and I, uh, I almost enjoyed facing the, the chance of not doing well. So I was happy to go. If I was facing Jimmy Anderson at Chelmsford, you know, if he got me out at the good ball, I was happy with that. Uh, it, it didn't bother me. I wasn't afraid of it. You know, if if I made a mistake. I wasn't afraid of that either. I could go back and say, right, today you made a mistake. So I just try to uh keep my attention on on doing what I could do well and i and I've done that in in, in big games, if you want to call it that as well so I've also never felt that I need to rise the occasion or, or that I play better when when crunch time's on. but I think not worrying about it and and my background of you know that that this should never really have happened this career I think it, it's always allowed me to to think free and and be carefree in my approach to my profession.
0: Your average, um, a statistician tells me, is like 10 runs higher when you come to the wicket with less than 100 runs on the board.
1: Historically, Ryan Tenderscott is not a good starter. He's often quite fidgety. He's got very low hands. You often feel as a spinner, and men around the bat, you've got a chance of a bat pad.
0: Basically, you know, if, if the teams you play for have been 50 for four or, or 70 for five, you are statistically more likely to score big runs than, than if you come to the crease at 200 for four. Amazing.
2: Wow, that is, uh, yeah, I mean, I've also I've always seen myself as a problem solver as well, so I wouldn't say big situations or small situations, but if, if for instance, I walk in at 80 for three and I know we're chasing 270, you know, I can work out to 190 and if I get 90, not out, we're winning the game, or if, even if I get 60 and I'm the third next batsman out, I know the tail are going to you know, get the last 40 or 50 together. So I've always uh, enjoyed like the management side of, of an innings and, and a chase or even a set. You know, if if, uh, if I have something in front of me, uh, I, I tend to work out a lot better. So if there's nothing on the game or if I walk in at 500 for four, I don't have those same juices flowing that, that allow me to to operate at my best.
0: Never thought of you as a mathematician batsman, but, but that's, <laughs> that's what it is, isn't it? It's, as you said, problem solving. You just sort of break it down into its component parts and, and do the sums mm. and eventually you get there.
2: Yeah, I, I think being, um, you know, I, I don't want to call myself smart, but I think being able to work out what's required is, is a big skill of batting or bowling. You know, I, I don't think you need to have all the tools. I don't think you need to have a straight drive and a late cut and a you know be able to hit the ball from in front of your face. But I, I think if you can work things out and, and sort of, Give yourself the best chance of getting to that goal. So you know which which bowlers you attack, which side you go from, uh, how much you trust your partner when you take it on yourself. Uh, I think that's a big skill of batting and and something that that gets overlooked quite a bit.
1: Oh, what a delivery! That's come from absolutely nowhere. That is brilliant bowling. It's nicked again. Oh, it's brilliant. It's absolutely stunning. Oh, and he's bowled it. There's a big inside edge, but it is uh, taken out his leg stump.
0: We've only been talking about batting now. There's a little matter of 569 wickets across across the formats. Um, again, that's, a, that's an enormous number. I guess one of the things that strikes me is how often you've either chosen to or had to reinvent yourself as a bowler. There's no role you haven't done. I mean, you know, from opening to, to bowling a few overs as fourth change, you know, a bit of a part time, and then suddenly... Having to to take a frontline role with the ball again, uh, have they have they been equally important to you the two disciplines?
2: Uh, no, so it's it's one of my big regrets is that I, I let my bowling uh, slip. Um, I, I almost had the yips when I when I came to the UK. Um, you know, I told you I bowled really well on that first day, and then sort of for the next two years, I went in and out of of not being able to land the ball, and I tried absolutely everything i'm talking about lying on the indoor school uh, you know lying flat and doing sort of like a meditation session with with john childs uh, with music in the background and you know trying to reset i then tried to bowl off like like trying to land the ball two meters in front of me and then work back the other way and you know then three meters and four meters we tried everything and I, and I always felt like a part-time bowler um and as you've seen towards the back end of my career Uh, where, bizarrely, I now feel like I can bowl again, like I'm bowling really well. The ball's coming out nicely and swinging. Um, But I I think I threw the towel in uh, a little bit too early uh, on the bowling front. And and it's something I actually should have uh, achieved a lot more with the ball. Uh, That's my honest opinion.
0: You had some amazing days out with the ball. But uh, let's move on to international cricket. In which you averaged 67 with the bat in 33 one-day internationals but before we get into that just just explain your dutchness and your your affinity with with the netherlands because it's not it's not, it's not a passport of convenience as such is it
2: uh, i mean to a degree it is my my dad was dutch um you know we didn't grow up dutch surrounding so to speak um, well you were born in very...
0: port elizabeth right
2: yeah I mean, my my mom's African, my dad's Dutch. My dad came over as a young man, uh, met my mom, and and they started a family there. Uh, We had very loose contact with the family in in Holland, you know, like any uh, children of immigrants who always talked about the windmills and the tulips, blah, blah, blah. And then when I turned 60, my dad thought it would be a good idea for us to all get passports. and, And the Dutch cricket board were aware that I had this passport. But I actually think it's a good example of where I was leaving Cape Town as a cricketer because I had this passport and there was very little appetite you know, for even the Dutchies to, to take me on. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but you know, the level of associate cricket compared to county cricket, uh, in my opinion, I think generally accepted is, is a step down. So they, they, they never sort of wanted me to come join the Dutch team or you know, they weren't even keen for me to, to go over and, and get involved in the system. And then when I signed for Essex, almost immediately I get a message saying, you know, where, right, you're here now. What do you think of playing for the Dutch team? And you know, for me, I wanted to do it. I, I saw it as a it was a great chance to to play in these competitions, to play against better players um, and, and to get around the world. And yeah, that's that's pretty much how it started. But I also had a, a an inkling that, you know, Essex was my my heart. Like I, I wanted to do really well at Essex and then help the Dutchies where I could. And that didn't always sit well. I mean, rightfully so, you know, if if you're offering up a national spot to a player, maybe you do expect the buy-in. But I was always very clear in my head that, um, you know, that I sort of owed my my cricketing career and and everything that I've made out of cricket to Essex.
0: Another statistician's delight. And and you are a man they feast on because uh, you provided such wonderful numbers. Um, So take 30 ODIs as the minimum number you average 67, and then you look at the, the players underneath you. Next on the list is Virat Kohli with 59. Virat Kohli,
2: makes room. over oh, mid a mid-weekend. Oh, that's a big one. The biggest six of the nine.
1: Well into the second deck.
0: Also in that list, MS Dhoni, A.B. de Villiers, Michael Bevan. When, when you, if somebody shows you that list, how do you feel? Are you embarrassed? No,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think those guys could be good players. They just need to work a bit harder in between. Right? That's, uh... <laughs> no, look, uh, I mean, uh, actually, I make a joke about it because every year on my on my birthday, um, yeah, I, get, I get a tweet from ESPN Cricket Info and it's always the same. Uh, you know, the world's highest ODI batting average guy <laughs> turns 40 today, whatever it is, and you know straight away it's coming. All the fans from Pakistan India like you're not as good as Babar, you're not as good as Virat. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed about it, but I'm also I'm I'm always keen to make a point about it that you know you you can you can dive into those you can mine those stats and the majority of those runs or a lot of the high scores have come against Canada and um, Kenya and Namibia um, and and unfortunately that is all classed in in the same in the same boat. But of course I also know that there's no comparison, and I think anyone who knows anything about cricket, you know, you don't compare those stats, obviously uh, the stats are very good and, and I've done as much as I could in, in the cricket that I've been afforded, but uh, I'd certainly laugh at anyone or not take them seriously, you know, who, who try to draw comparisons between the guys who've played vast majority of their game in, in that setup, you know, the India, Pakistan, Australia, South Africa, West Indies, uh, you know, you know those teams are very different to playing the the vast majority of your games against Namibia, Kenya, et cetera.
0: It sounds crazy to ask you whether you've got any regrets because you have had such a wonderful, successful career at Essex and they've they've given you a, a great life. But have you ever wondered ab- ab- about if you'd taken a different international path? I guess you could have played it theoretically for, for, for South Africa or England.
2: Yeah, I, I could have. Um, and Actually, at one stage, I was looking at getting a, a British passport but more for the convenience to Essex. There was a rule at the time that English qualified players... Was subsidized by the ECB. So, you know, it made sense for the payroll to, to get me on. But bizarrely, I, I've never felt English. And I made a point of it early on, not that I was ever close. I'm not saying that. Um, but, you know, I remember with all the uproar when, when KP um, turned to play for England, you know, I never felt like that was even an option for me it might've been different if, if I was in that class, if I was a Jonathan Trotter or, or a Kevin Peterson um, and, you know, I was desperate and I, and I thought I deserved to play international cricket. Um, and I, and I brought myself, myself over to play county cricket. Yeah. Th- then I might've, but me personally, no, I never thought about that um, growing up. You know, I always dreamed of playing for South Africa, of course, like, like everyone. But again, I think I was pretty switched on in, in terms of how realistic it was. And, and I never thought of myself in anywhere near that setup, but uh, I'm pretty sure I can say this in one of the uh, champions trophy or champions leagues, the sort of RPL, the winner's competition, i done really well. And um, one of the South African players asked if he could pass my number on to Russell Domingo and Russell rang me up and said that he was very keen for me to play in the next world cup. And I, I, you know, I kind of read the race. I said, listen, you've got a guy who's not played any cricket in South Africa. You know, I, I would be a nominal selection at best. You know, I, I might be a utility player. Like, do you think this is the right thing? Um, you know, it's it's going to meet a lot of resistance. And rightly so, uh, that was my stance. And he, he kind of said, 'I'll oh, leave that up to me. Uh, it must have been 2015 because I was uh, going to the Big Bash with Adelaide. And, you know, I said, look, the, he said, okay, one of the things you might have to do is you might have to come play a domestic season back here. I said, I've, I've got this contract with the strikers, which I'm happy to turn turn away. It's not about the money. If, if there's a fair process where, you know, you want me to come play the domestic season, you have a look at me. I would definitely do that. But but I, I suggested that he was going to meet a lot of resistance from the board. And he said, leave it up to me. And I just never heard back from him. I've got no issues with that. And, and, I personally never felt that I was I was near to being you know in, in that class. At that stage, you would have had David Miller, Fran Bardeen. Uh, you had decent closing batters around in any case, but that's probably as close as, as it got for me. It was very late in my career, and maybe there was a smidgen of sort of what might have been. But to answer your question, I've never had any regrets. Uh, I feel like I've played my cards as best as I could I've uh, received from the game. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
2: If I said a hundred times more than, than I should have or that I ever thought I would, that would be an understatement. So uh, the, the things that have fallen in my path through cricket um, yeah, far exceed anything that, that I could ever have expected.
0: cover man underneath it do not get there six six over cover and he begins with a slower ball which is hit straight back over his head for six and that one is driven swatted down the ground for six short pulled away six more T20 cricket you've played 369 games 369 T20s that's an extraordinary number um, including uh, first of all, you're, that's top 10 of all time. I think it's actually in fifth or sixth place. Quite, quite amazing. Um, again, you've had to reinvent yourself to do that. I, I want to talk about that and also about your time in the IPL because you played in seven domestic leagues, including the IPL with the Kolkata Knight Riders. It's uh, T20 cricket that's um, <laughs> given you some air miles, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time for me. You know, when I started my career... Uh, Coincided with T20 launching. I I think it was my first year at Essex, was the the first T20 competition in England. And, uh, you know, I can't think of a player who it it was more suited to at the time, you know, someone very unconventional. Um, You know, I've said before, the euphemism was he hits the ball in strange places, you know, which is great. Uh, It was different. And back then, guys didn't used to, you know, sit back and bang it out the park. It was rare to have a strike rate of of 150 and, and to be able to. You know, come in and whack the ball. So it, it couldn't have worked any any better for me. Um, and and probably where uh, the bulk of my uh, sort of traction as a cricketer uh, on the biggest stages to come. You know, being in the IPL, having a chance to play in Australia. You know, finishing off at, at uh, Nelson Mandela Bay Giants last year was you know, felt like the perfect treat. You know, going back to Port Elizabeth where it all started, where all my dreams started. Um, to to play a few games there at the, at the back end of the Mazanzi. And yeah, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed T20 cricket. I liked it more when, when not everyone was banging it out of the park. But you know, you, you rock up now to, to nets, and every trialist plays a, a, a sweep against the seamers, and and plays a reverse sweep against medium paces, and you know can can sit back in the crease and, and whack a length ball over extra cover. Um, so so the game has changed a lot, and I think I was lucky in the sense that my skill set was set up for that you know, before to stop you, and before everyone was doing it.
0: How do you hit the ball in strange places? Is it, so I think it was Hashimam, actually, you mentioned it. He said to me, well, you've got to learn to hit the ball in the gaps. And it sounded very obvious, but do you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, um, here's my strength, they've blocked it. I now have to hit the next ball to a place that isn't my strength, and I just have to find a way. Is that, was that the thinking, the, the, the rationale behind it?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of chicken and egg. Um, so, if you probably the best way to describe it is, if you coach traditionally, um, you know, if you think about it, your cover drive should go to cover. Your straight drive should go between mid off and and mid on. Your your leg clip goes just behind square leg. If you're not coach traditionally, you, may, you know, maybe your leg clip goes in front of square. You know, maybe your late cut goes to in front of point as, as opposed to the traditional just behind point fielding position. So I think for me that was a big thing, not having the the traditional coaching. And then you know without getting too technical or, or, or drilling down to things, I, I I'm a massive believer of you're a product of your literal environment where you play cricket as a youngster. So for me it was a big brick wall, sort of three meters in front of me as I'm as I'm taking stance, which means I never chose to play to the offside because it was a nice big field behind my back all the way to to the neighbor's garden at, at Cow Corner. And, and, you know, that's obviously who I chose to hit. You can see the tennis ball flying and, and you know, as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, that's all you want to see. So I think it's a mixture of those two things. Um, and then, you know, again, as you practice more and that you, you become good at, at, at those strengths and, and people have been coached traditionally don't, don't hit those shots. They're better at keeping their elbow up and hitting it between cover and extra cover, etc.
1: Over number three was a double wicked maiden for Darren Stevens. Trago first to go. And then Hildreth. Yeah. This was a messy reply from Somerset. 18 for four after three overs.
0: I must confess I'm obsessed with, with longevity in professional sport. Um, anybody who's still playing a, a physically demanding sport at 40 just fascinates me. Do do you fascinate yourself in the, in that regard?
2: I, I think if you think about it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I'm not the only guy doing it. I think Darren Stevens is is the best example, uh, you know, because because he bowls majority. He he's 43 or 44, and and if you look 20 years ago, it it wasn't abnormal at all. Uh, you know, Graham Gooch, these sort of guys play well into their 40s as well. I've always been very lucky genetically. Um, I've I've never gymmed. so again coming from that sort of non-professional background, where uh, you know you, you pack your cricket bag away on the 26th of September and then you pick up a rugby ball and you play that till the 1st of March and you take your bag out again. Uh, that was sort of my fitness regime. I, I didn't train my back to be able to bowl and, and I didn't train my quads to be able to stand in the field all day. So I, I think I was very lucky in that regard. And, in the sense that my fitness has always been a functional fitness. I, I love all sports. So I've just told you, I've just come to the squash court now. I'll try and play golf two, three times a week. Uh, I love a little kick around the football. You know, I play in a five star team in the winter, but m- mainly uh, genetically, you know, the, my teammates always call me Benjamin Button. And I don't feel any, any you know, more tired or, or more sore, but mainly uh, mentally, you know, to to rock up every day and 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 sometimes i it's not like that i'm embarrassed to be competing against young guys but sometimes it's like you know you're you're a grown man yeah you you sometimes feel like it's a young man's sport and and i think the the key for me is to to make sure that i keep fighting and, and you know just looking am i still offering something useful to this team uh you know from a cricketing point of view and, and as long as that's still a yes for me, um, and I'm still enjoying the challenge of, of going out there and, and trying to compete with uh, all these young guys, uh, I'll keep going.
0: Yeah, so I'm not going to make the schoolboy error of asking you how long you're going to keep going. I, I got the impression that you were sort of ready and at peace a couple of years ago. You were sort of ready for retirement. It's not something that scared you. So is it true to say that you're, you're just in happy bonus time?
2: Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm... I'm I'm very wary of, of hanging on. I definitely don't want to do that. And, you know, if I've obviously got a, a contract for another year. But if Essex came to me in March and said, uh, listen, man, you've had a tough winter and, you know, you're not really long in our plans. Now, I'm not, not going to hang on for the rest of the summer and, and take a salary. I'm not scared of, of stopping. I, I want to make sure I get that right. So that, that tipping point of when I'm no longer contributing, when I'm no longer making the team better, I will finish on that day. Um, but bonus time, and that is like I, I said earlier, and, and people might think this is a, a bluff, but my career from day one has been bonus time. You
0: know? <laughs> um,
2: and, and that's helped me so much. I've never put that pressure on myself. I've, I've never felt like the game owed me something or, you know, that I'd, if I've ever been left out. I've never thought, geez, you know, why me? Why am I being left out? And and I, I think that is a, a good lesson for anyone, um, you know, trying to take on a sports career, not even a career, you know, if, if you... Sort of playing at any sort of competitive level, uh, I think that's the the right approach to have. You know, to to realise how lucky you are to to be given that chance.
1: Oh, will he get an overthrow? He does. He might get five. What a way to bring up your first World Cup hundred! It's the third in World Cups for a Netherlands batsman. The first for Ryan Tendulkar. His first, fourth in One Day Internationals. I
0: know you don't like talking yourself up, but I ought to ask you more about that innings against England in Nagpur. 2011 uh, World Cup. And in fact, for that matter, please, please bring yourself, try and bring yourself to, to just tell us about a couple of performances that were in, throughout your career, whoever, for, for whoever, um, that, that will probably bring a smile to your face.
2: Okay, we'll, we'll start with Nagpur because I had, uh, my first overseas job was um, a, a mixture of going to Canterbury and playing in New Zealand and then I joined up with Tasmania. And I'd had a blistering summer um, in the UK. I'd I'd scored runs, I think, literally in every innings I'd played. You know, I'd I'd smacked every county bowler around and I then tore my calf, which was also the first injury in my career. And I hadn't picked up a bat, I want to say, from July till maybe October. I then went to New Zealand and done pretty well in, in their domestic comp. But I went to Tasmania and I was dreadful. I can't explain to you how bad it was. Uh, you know, I would have averaged maybe 10. And, and I mean, that—that that is the number I would have averaged. Um, and, and that was so embarrassing. You know, I'd been, been given this chance to play with George Bailey and um, Ben Hilfenhaus and uh, Tim Payne. You know, it was really a proper chance to, to make an for myself. But I went straight from there to the World Cup. And that game against England was the, the first game and I've never watched the innings back, but I'll never forget the first sort of 15 or 20 balls. I I couldn't bat. It, it was that bad. And then I eventually walked across to Collie and like showed my stumps and Matt Pryor was standing up and I sort of flicked one inside, uh, you know, between Pryor and, and the fine leg. And then I just turned into... Sort of my version of Don Bradman for the next two hours I've never seen the ball so sweetly so it's just it was so weird you know like dragging that baggage from Australia into the competition uh all my preparation I felt terrible going into that game um and then producing an in innings like that I, I was immensely proud of that innings uh, Graham Gooch was the the coach of England the batting coach um and like I said earlier someone who's been a massive part of my career so you know to do it while he was there was great as well Ravi who's, who's one of my good mates on the opposition side and and um, uh, won the game for them and again we really should have won and, and of course Trotty um, was playing as well um, so you know, you know it, was, it was nice in that sense um and you know, for the first time to to really do it on the international stage is is a is a great feeling, and and that is one of my favourite innings. It really is. I find memories, and like I said, gets the the heart fluttering. Um, I'm not very good at, at remembering innings, uh, you know, specific innings or, or even games, um, but I do vividly remember 2016 when when we got promoted as in Essex got promoted out of the two and sort of the magical run started I was in the middle on over 100 when, when we got that final batting point which which got us promoted and I was batting with James Foster you know again the context is someone who's a really good friend um, you know someone who had captained the side a long time and, and someone who I knew it meant a lot to and I knew it meant a lot to the club so again vividly remember sort of being in the middle where, whether it was a single or a double whatever we got but crossing that threshold and And that's what sport's all about, you know, that you've achieved this, you you set out to achieve this. It was only getting promoted out of Div 2, but you know, the the thing that you started off to achieve and then achieving it, um, those are the the sort of things I I remember most of the Essex once again have done it, they've won the Bob Willis Trophy.
0: spoken about your captaincy because um, you were pretty good at that as well but but you were happy to, to give it away to step aside you know it wasn't a sort of a an ambition I get the impression but what makes a good captain what made you a good captain?
2: That's a very difficult question I I think it's, it's foolish not to sort of identify the the tangible things that you can look at so we signed Simon Harmer who, who turns out to be pretty much the best kind of county there's ever been. <laughs> He'll, he'll win you seven games out of 14 championship games, you know, where, where you know he's going to get between eight and 10 wickets. So, so that is a big thing. Um, Alistair Cook came back in. Uh, so basically the, the things that make the numbers stack up, that make you successful, you know, it's very easy to look past that and say, oh, it was the new coach and, and the new captain. And we had this great new uh, philosophy where, where we worked hard or it was nothing like that. But um, I, I, on reflection, I think being authentic was my biggest trait, my my biggest characteristic uh, that I brought to the team, and I never looked to to be something that I wasn't as a captain. I, I kind of looked at myself and said, "What qualities have I got that I can bring into a, a leadership role that the guys will will respond to?" I think that's the biggest mistake you can you can make is not being authentic because people see through that straight away. Um, so you know, I've always been a quite laid back, um, but I do have a line which I, I crossed only once in, in my four years as captain, you know, where, where I thought someone was, was taking the mickey. So I made sure I, I stuck to those sort of things. I I try to make every day fun. I think that's one of the the easily overlooked things of county cricket is, is that 90% of it is the grind. You know, how do you, how do you turn up every day for what is it? Uh, 60 days worth of cricket and try to give your best. It's very easy, you know, to, to rock up on the sore days and, you stay in the change room a little bit longer. Uh, you know, you, you go down five minutes before you, you look at your watch, you know, you've got an hour and 40 minutes to lunch. So we, we try to stamp that sort of stuff out. Like, I guess my point is we, we try to do real practical things to change. So not wishy-washy stuff like we're going to be good blokes. We're going um, to give our best all the time. It was more the, the practical implications of, hey, you're a little bit tired today don't forget there's two days left for this game. You give everything for the next two hours. Then we'll chat again. And, you know, you make sure your bowlers then go out half an hour before and that they're on for the, those two hours and get to lunch and they knackered. And the other teams eight time and said, buddy, please two more wickets to go. Then I promise you the next three days, I won't look at you. You won't have to touch the ball again. And, and you know, those, those sort of practical day to day, um, tangible things, are are, are the things that I'm most proud of, of getting right in, in that short space of time.
0: Yeah, I love, I love the answer that you almost gave. What makes a good captain a good team? Because <laughs> Yeah, I
2: mean, I mean and, and man, it's, it's funny. So Tom's just taken over, and, and he's a good friend of mine. And, you know, the only advice I gave him in the beginning, I said to him, set your parameters of, of your leadership now. And when we discuss it at the end of the season, it's not whether we finish first or we finish last. Like give me five things you wanna do. Like you 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 wanna make sure the young guys know that they feel safe at the club. Um, you wanna make sure that we review every loss well, that we when we win, this is how we behave, you know. And then you can come to the end of the summer and you've lost every game, and the first thing people say is, Oh, he's a bad captain. Whereas the the review of the season actually needs to be on, you know, how good were you as a captain? And and I think that's a big misconception in sports and probably um, magnified most by Premier Premier League football clubs. You know, a team loses four games and you can be pretty sure the manager gets that. Um, and it's not an easy thing to do. How, I mean, how do you measure, how do you quantify good leadership or or, or, or good captaincy? But I'd always be very wary of sinking the two the, that are winning a team as a good captain and a losing team as a bad captain. But yeah, you're dead right. Uh, the most important thing about captaincy is, is having good players. Well,
0: where, where do you see your future when, when, when if you do actually stop playing? Uh, are, you, are you looking at coaching or um, are you going to do something completely different and spend more time with your family?
2: Well, firstly, cricketer is a cricketer's friend because being home this week, I wish, like anything, the season was going on for another, <laughs> just another week. Week could be nice. It's been a tough week. Uh, uh, I'd rather be uh, chasing leather around the field for, uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of the workload. Um, but no, it, it's been it's been so good. And, you know, again, I, I haven't had this sort of perspective change where I think, oh, my kids are, are so important. Cricket's not important. But again, I think that's because I've always been good at putting the cricket side into perspective, that, that it is only a game of cricket. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing, apart from are you giving your best and are you giving yourself the best chance to, to be the best you can. Um, after cricket, yeah, I'm... I'm um, I'm exploring a bit of coaching at the moment. Um, I'm trying to do my badges. I've actually applied to go on Gary Kirsten's uh, program from January, um, which will be my first sort of. I've I've got a level two, which is is very basic, but yeah, I want to I want to go into 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 coaching. I've uh, you know been lucky enough to work with some fantastic coaches. I mean the best of the best, uh, you good mate, Eric, uh, being with him, Zanzi was, was our opening, you know, someone who who really wants to make a difference. Gary as well. We've been super lucky at Essex with, with Crystal Wood before he went to England. Uh, Mickey Arthur's is another one. You know, when you see guys doing their work at the top level, uh, I, I found that really inspiring and, and I see similarities in, in, you know, being a cricketer and, and being a coach, you know, apart from the obvious that, that you're working in cricket, but, you know, the same sort of goal setting and and, and helping people along and, and being part of something that does appeal to me. Um, so, yeah, for, certainly for, for the near future, I I, I want to try and get involved in coaching.
1: Stokes in again. It's, it's, it's been taken. Stokes has done it again. Just when England needed a hero. One. Yes, in the excitement, I should let you know that England won by 189 runs in the end. It was with eight and a
0: half overs to spare. Just a, a brief overview of your your thoughts on the future of cricket internationally. I'm talking. Are you one of those people that worries about Test cricket?
2: I, I don't worry about Test cricket. I think Test cricket's been thrown a lifeline by T20 cricket in the sense that Test cricket is no longer boring. And and look, you know, a game drawn out over five days that ends in a draw, I don't find boring. But, but when we talk about the existential crisis, we're talking about, you know, what audience can we appeal to? And we need to be honest and say, slow five-day cricket, yes, it appeals to a very niche audience. But if you're talking about saving cricket and uh, saving test cricket, and that's obviously a financial thing, it then needs to appeal to a bigger audience. That's just the way it is you know, you can be nostalgic about it and say, well, take the T20 money and throw it in test test. No, I, I, my opinion is test. cricket needs to save itself. If, it, if it's going to be something that, that continues, it needs to find a way to save itself, to be appealing to, to however many people you need to, to make it sustainable. But why I say T20 has thrown the lifeline is I can't think of a boring test series in the last five years. And I think it's fine. I think as a product now, it's very good. I think, uh, some of the bilateral series will never have the pool needed to to make it sustainable. So I think you do need to find a, a solution to that, whether that is, um, you know, making sure that England and Australia play each other more and, and Pakistan, and India play each other more and less of uh, Zimbabwe and, and India playing each other, for example, uh, as harsh as it is and, and, as much as it goes against growing the game, I'm, I'm talking about for test cricket to survive. I don't think that's a, a positive thing for test cricket. I don't have the answer to what you do with your uh, Zimbabwe's and your Bangladeshis, and I guess that that is the second part of the puzzle of, of finding how it survives for 12 teams or 11 teams, whatever it is. But I, I certainly feel that test cricket's in a, a better place now than it was three, four, four, five, six years ago. Yeah, I would have been worried about it. But I find test cricket... So exciting and, and that filters down to County Cricket as well. But one of the key things that County Cricket delivers is, is it makes the England test team strong. And for that reason, it does serve its purpose and, and it's worth saving and it's worth finding solutions to, to save it and to, and to make sure it's good.
0: Um, Tendo, keep going, you're an inspiration. You, you really are. Um, and, and more success to you and to Essex and enjoy the
1: English winter.
2: Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Nice to chat.
1: You've been listening to Following On, and our exclusive interview with the Essex all-rounder Ryan Tenderscarter. If you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the Following On feed, available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.